Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Quick update here from the Canadian Elite Basketball League. The Edmonton Stingers are looking good. They win again 99 63 over the Hamilton Honey Badgers to go to 7 0 on the season. The Edmonton Stingers hosting the season-ending tournament this year in August in the Canadian Elite Basketball League. That is fun basketball to watch. Hopefully I'll be able to go check that out when it is here. The Edmonton Elks continuing to get ready for the season opener August 7th against the Ottawa Red Blacks. Every Elks game will be heard right here on 630 Ched. Now it is uh, it is an annual tradition in training camps around Canada that eventually teammates get a little angry with each other. And there was indeed scuffling at Elks practice today. Here's head coach Jamie Elizondo. You want to take it right to the edge, but you've got to have emotional control in the game because based on what happened today, we would have had four players thrown out. And, you know, we we philosophically want to put the team first in everything that we do. And, you know, we didn't do a good job of that today in those scenarios. That's part of the game. It's physical, tempers flare, but we've got to have some emotional awareness to us and let our let our play do the talking um you know so hopefully we can we can take the next step and grow in that area you know uh i've been doing this now with jamie elizondo as the coach with jason moss as the coach with uh chris jones as the coach uh, a little bit with cavis reed as the coach and i could probably go back in the files and find a similar clip at some point during training camp well we got we got to play on the edge but we can't cross the line and we don't want to take penalties in a game it just appears inevitable that at some point there uh, is fighting among teammates in practice. I wonder if our next guest knows anything about this, and I'm pleased to welcome him, not just back to Inside Sports, but to our 630 Chet Sports team, because you're going to be hearing him regularly on our Elks broadcasts this season. Former defensive tackle with the team, a 2015 Grey Cup champion, it is Eddie Steele. Eddie, welcome aboard, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Reed. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing great, and I'm very happy because uh, this is yet another voice that I enjoy hearing from that uh, can be a regular guest on this show during football season. So I hope you're uh, you're ready to get to get you know the weekly text uh, text from me or Dave. Hey, I hope you're ready to come on tonight because I love having you on. So I'm looking forward to it, man. Hey, the feeling's mutual, man. I appreciate that, and I love being here chatting with you. All right, so let's start with this. Like, am I? Are, are you sitting there thinking, like, Reed? This isn't even news that there was scuffling. That just move on. <laughs> yeah. No, in reality, you got me thinking about some of the scuffles that I've been involved in in training camp. Thinking of what, what some of the worst ones I've ever been a part of. Because you're right, it's a reality. Every single training camp, even just regular season practices, uh, you know, the temperatures get high and uh, emotions are are uh, pretty uh, volatile and. You know, guys get after it. That's just the reality, especially in the trenches between the O and the D linemen. Yeah, it seems, and I'm just trying to remember things that have happened in other years. It seems to usually be 
an old lineman against a D lineman. I think there might be uh, occasionally a receiver and a DB might start swinging. I don't think a quarterback would ever be involved. I think, you know, even if you guys are intense, that would be off limits <laughs> to, to get into that with a quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right. Although with that being said, uh, Mike Riley, he's been known to have a pretty uh, feisty personality and he's definitely had some choice words for us defensive players in practice. Oh, really? Like uh, during training camp or even throughout the season? Yeah, both, both, especially uh, with a Chris Jones run team where, um, you know, the, the attitude is more of a bad boy type of a style of mentality. And uh, yeah, Mike definitely, uh, don't, don't everybody sit back and think that just because he's a quarterback, he's Mr. Perfect. Now I have a high respect for Mike. He's uh, he's a heck of a competitor, but you know, that's part of the edge of him being so competitive is that that mindset that he brings and you obviously saw with his play i mean he, he'll put his body on the line uh, for anything well he told me once because as you know you know mike was on this show i guess he wants to be known as michael now so i gotta remember to do that but um he uh he told me a story a few years ago i don't know why we got talking about Darrell walker but he said they kind of messed up a play or something and they were going back to the sidelines and Michael said he was kind of like yelling and he starts yelling at Darrell, like, why, why weren't you doing this? And he said Darrell just looked at him and said, hey, settle down. We'll do it next time. And just like walked away. And then Riley was like, okay, I guess I'm, guess I'm getting carried away. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that does sound about right coming out of Darrell's mouth because he's a, he's a pretty cool, even keel guy. All right, so when... Now, when when you would get peeved at a teammate in camp and maybe you start uh, pushing and shoving, do you know in the back of your mind, okay, I got to stand up for myself, but I can't let this get too far because it, it is a teammate or what's happening in the moment? Yeah, that's uh, you pretty much nailed it because ultimately it's nobody wants to get one up. So say an offensive lineman gets the best of you in a play uh, or they hold you and you get frustrated at that. Uh, so that's kind of when the fights begin and, you know, the skirmishes break out. But the reality is, yeah, your teammates, uh, you're all uh, in this together. And the funniest thing about it is when you get into these skirmishes, everybody's throwing haymakers and stuff like that. But, man, you're, you're hitting guys with helmets. Like, you're not really doing any damage, but the damage to your hands. Uh, the, be- the best fighters that I've seen, like the Mondo Sewells and those types of guys, the first thing they'll do is they'll try and pull the helmet off or they'll throw uppercuts under the helmet because uh, that way you'll actually, you know, get to, get to the guy. But for the most part, you're just hitting helmets and your, your knuckles get banged up. And, yeah, it's ultimately you, you end up feeling it more so after practice and the adrenaline's worn off and you're thinking, oh, why is my thumb all banged up or why is my pinky knuckle hurting? <laughs> so it, it doesn't really do you any good. It's more just that machismo ego I, I will say though funny little story because you got me thinking about myself <clears throat> we all know matt o'donnell you know one of the biggest humans in the world i got into a skirmish with him uh, i think it would have been in 2013 and we got into it might have even been 2014 actually we got into a skirmish and uh it was kind of it got broken up because you know everybody kind of crowds in and it gets broken up pretty quickly guys get in between you but because he's 6'10", just so long, there was about three guys in between us separating us. But him and his long go-go gadget arm came and just clocked me with an uppercut. And I'm 6'2", so there's quite a, quite a height difference there. And he caught me under my chin, kind of like wrapped around three guys. 
and I bit my tongue so hard, like I shredded my tongue up. No word of a lie, I had to uh, eat soup for the next two days because I couldn't eat solid food. My tongue was like uh, a weed whacker went through it. It was so chewed up, and it, it was nuts because I bit it so hard. And that's what you got me thinking about is how dreadful it was having to drink soup for my meals for the next two days. Well, and that brings to mind, the uh, I think it would have been in the 2019 season, the last time the team played, Logan Kilgore started for Harris. Remember, he bit his tongue and was oh, yep. mouth was all bloody the entire game? Yep, I sure do. That was, yeah, well, we're we're really painting nice images of, for for people here. So, <laughs> Eddie Seal joining us tonight on Inside Sports, and yes, Matt O'Donnell is uh, is is a giant, and and you're you're no small guy yourself. But like you said, he's one of the biggest human beings out there. Now, do you think? I mean, after the practice, the coaches are going to come out and say the right thing. I played the Elizondo clip, said, hey, like if we did that in a game, we'd have guys getting ejected. But do you think when it happens in training camp, coaches are secretly happy or like satisfied that guys are that competitive? 100% I would say that because the coaches, they want to see who's uh, who's got those types of competitive types of personalities because it's more than just a skirmish. It's, you know, uh, kind of a mano-a-mano type of a deal and, you want to see who's going to be willing to go to war for you and your club. Uh, but you're, you're absolutely right, too, kind of in your um, uh, introduction, talking about the skirmishes and you don't want to lead into the regular season. Uh, I've found over the past few years, uh, the former Eskimos, when they were under Jason Moss, and I, I like Jason as a coach, but we all know he was a fiery type of a guy. And there was no reason or no secret that, the, the former Eskimos, the Elks now, were the number one team uh, leading the league in penalties taken the past three years because he's a pretty fiery coach too. And it starts from the top down, you know, and guys follow the leader and the head coach, he's the leader. And I firmly believe that's uh, the main factor with the team being the number one team uh, taking penalties uh, the past three seasons under him. Yeah, yeah, I know Jason drew some criticism for that, uh, for sure, for uh, for maybe going overboard a little bit. And and yeah, it was. I I always found that interesting one to talk about because I also think with Jason too. Sometimes, and, and he's still in the in, in the league. He's with the Saskatchewan Roughriders as the offensive coordinator. I mean, it's not as if he dropped off the map. I, I feel like sometimes with Jason, his emotion could be his greatest strength. But as you mentioned, sometimes it could be a pretty big weakness too. Yeah, yeah, exactly, especially when you're the leader because uh, your team follows your actions. And you know, like I said, I, I like Jason. I played for him uh, for one season my last year with the team, and uh, we had a good relationship. But, you know, as, as a head coach, you can't um, can't lose your mind on the sidelines because the guys see that. And then, you know, subliminally, they feel like that's how you can act and, like, that's okay to act and it's a reasonable and you won't get in trouble because the coach is doing that. So, yeah, but he does have a great personality, fiery. I'm a competitive type of guy, too, so I like that. But at the same time, I can see how it's detrimental. So let me ask you this, Eddie. When it comes to penalties with with coaches, or maybe it's your position coach that deals with it, what types of penalties actually annoy coaches the most that might get you a talking to on the sideline or a little bit of an embarrassment in a in a film session like i would think coaches to some extent accept that there might be some penalties but are, are, are there some where coaches will just be like that like enough like that's dumb basically 
Absolutely. You're totally right. And uh, the number one thing in terms of penalties, which is unnecessary, is the unnecessary roughnesses. And that's where you take a 15-yarder, you know, say you shove the guy after a play. Because you're right, during the course of a play, there's going to be holding. There's going to be those types of penalties that they're inevitable, right, when you're playing such a high-speed physical game. But the costly penalties, like the unnecessary roughnesses and those types of ones, to me, they're just selfish. You know, they're so selfish as a, as a teammate because at that point in time, you're not thinking about the team. You're just in your own head, in your own world, and you're trying to get revenge for the most part. Uh, I can say this firmly in my entire nine-year career, I've never taken one unnecessary roughness penalty. Um, the only time I can think of coming close to one is when uh, I hit Matt Nichols a little bit late. But, you know, that even then, he Matt was pretty – pretty well known to take dives back there as a quarterback. So it wasn't like a, a malicious play that was well after the whistle where I'm costing my team yards. And those as a teammate, those get you the most frustrated because it's just selfish because we're all out here fighting, battling, and for you to put yourself and your ego above the team, those are the ones that uh, would get called out in film the day after a game. And guys will just look at you on the bench and shake their head and think, come on, man, you're, you're costing us. And those are the most frustrating. Well, I love how you put that. And thanks for the little tidbit on Matt Nichols, by the way. But uh, I, I love how you put that because I know, you know, I, I sit in my seats there in Section H and I know there is nothing more deflating or perhaps uplifting if, if it happens the other way where a team, you know, is second and 10, incomplete pass. And, you know, if I'm cheering for Edmonton and I think, okay, great, they're going to punt to us and then I see a flag, and then you see the replay, and some DB, like, shoved a receiver, like, five seconds after the whistle, and then the drive is still alive, and it should have been a punt. Yeah, to me, that's uh, it's so unacceptable. Like, sure, I, I would way rather take a, a pass interference call on that DB as opposed to plays over, and you get uh, caught jawing or something like that, or you shove a guy in his face, and boom, first down. That's so frustrating. Okay, Eddie, a, a couple more quick ones here. And thanks for doing this. I'm going to love having you on throughout the season. Cam Moon and I got talking about uh, celebrations with trophies because the lightning dented the Stanley Cup last week and mm-hmm. it had to get repaired. Did, in 2015, did you, what happens in the CFL? Did you get a day with the Cup? Did you guys take it out on the town uh, a little bit? I had a couple, uh, who did I have? I had Ryan Hines. And I think Muamba Couchy came into studio a few days after they won, but they didn't bring the cup with them. I didn't quite get that. So what happened with, did you get to party with the Grey Cup in 2015? Oh, of course, Reed. We had, we had a lot of fun with the Grey Cup. Um, pretty much anything that, any type of beverage that you can think of was drink out of that thing. Uh, I, I was surprised though, man, uh, in the locker room when we were celebrating with it, how much, because, you know, you're coming off the field, you're sweaty and whatnot how much the beer and champagne actually stings the face when it's splashing you. Uh, I get why guys wear the goggles, man, because it, it was burning. It's almost not even that enjoyable to drink it, and guys are just sloppy with it, and you're spilling all over each other. So I had a lot of fun with the Great Cup, and I actually won the Vanier Cup with the University of Manitoba in 2007 as well. And, uh, yeah, we really we really did it up big out of that thing, too, in the locker room afterwards. We we sure knew how to put them down from that cup. <laughs> okay. And finally, there, there will be no preseason games. What would have Eddie Steele, the player, thought about that? 
Well, the young Eddie Steele, uh, I would have been um, a lot more nervous about that because, you know, that's the preceding games is where you put yourself on tape and you get really recognized by the coaches for what you can do in a game. The older Eddie Steele, the nine-year vet, would have loved it because pretty much I knew my position was secure and uh, save that wear and tear, man. I'm not a huge fan of preseason games, especially as I got older. I'd be looking at the coach to take me out after the first quarter. Okay, there we go. Hey, Eddie, thanks for doing this. I love the perspective. Uh, I love the stories. I love your energy, and we'll be doing this very often throughout elk season here at Inside Sports. We'll talk to you soon, man, and hopefully see you soon. How about that? Absolutely, Reed. I look forward to it, man. Thanks for having me. That is Eddie Steele joining our broadcast crew for Elks Games here on 630 Chet. appreciate you tuning in tonight having another fun show we had mooner on earlier we had some hockey talk i got a really cool email from somebody about analytics with a quote from albert einstein not everything that counts can be counted and not everything that is counted counts that's pretty good vic has written into the show he says looking forward to eddie being a part of the broadcast crew solid take on the game Bruce says, Reed, the thing that concerns me with the Duncan Keith deal is that Ken Holland appears to have followed Toronto and the Habs, who own the Oilers with a mix of veterans. Problem is that he is small and old. Look at the Lightning. Size is big. Same for the Habs and the Leafs. I call this deal for the money a bad deal based on that. That is from Bruce. Uh, I will say this. I'll have to double-check. I actually think in terms of average size in the NHL, the Lightning forwards, I believe, were uh, a, a smaller group than average. I'll have to double check that. But uh, I, I mean, pro athletes are generally bigger than the average human being. But I think the Lightning were a bit of a smaller team uh, up front when you factor in everything all together. 780-496-0063 is how you get in touch. By texting or by calling. The hotline presented by CertainTeed, professional grade building materials. Keep the feedback coming. You can email inside sports at 630ched.com. Follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. Big rugby event coming to Edmonton. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We'll give you the lowdown on that as well in the final half hour of the show. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Good to have Eddie Steele on the show. Elks start the season August 7th, 8 o'clock. Brickfield Commonwealth Stadium taking on the Ottawa Red Blacks. And we'll have the game for you here on 630. She had 14-game regular season this year in the CFL. 
late start, shortened schedule, the Grey Cup getting pushed back into December in Hamilton. I asked Morley Scott earlier this week about how he's going to manage to do preseason predictions. He said it's going to be tough. He did say this, which I didn't know. He said that the Red Blacks will uh, very likely be the worst team in the league. So I guess maybe a good opponent there for the Elks to uh, try to start the season with a victory. 780-496-0063 is how you can check in tonight. I want to touch quickly on clocks. And I know you're thinking, well, old Wilkins has lost his mind again. What is he talking about? There uh, is, I was just following the news today. There's going to be a referendum on time here in the province of Alberta. And are we going to possibly get rid of changing the clocks? You know, the old uh, saying that helps you remember, fall back, spring forward. So when we get around to, I think it's in November this year, we will move the clocks back an hour and we will be on standard time. There are a lot of people who don't like this, uh, especially the spring ahead part, because you, you lose that hour. I, I think generally there have been a lot of studies showing that this affects sleep patterns and uh, isn't overly healthy to be changing the time twice a year. And, Okay, so why am I talking about this on a sports show? Well, because this could really affect the start times for road games for the Edmonton Oilers. Because you could, depending on what they decide, so if if, if we vote to stop changing the clocks, then we, we're going to have to pick, and I don't know if there'll be a referendum on that as well, but then it has to be decided, are we going to stay on standard time forever? Or are we going to stay on daylight time forever? So let's say we decide that we're not going to change the clocks anymore and we stay on daylight time. So this time will, it'll, this, this will be the time. We wouldn't move the clocks back in the fall. It'll be daylight time. But the, most of the rest of the, you know, Saskatchewan doesn't change, but other parts of the country would then move back an hour. So for a portion of the hockey season, Alberta, mountain time would be two hours ahead of British Columbia. So if an Oilers road game on a weekday started at 7 p.m. in Vancouver, it would start at 9 p.m. in Edmonton. Now, conversely, if we chose to stay on mountain time, then that would mean we wouldn't spring forward in the fall. So a, a year from now, it would be 637 instead of 737. And then... Uh, we for for part of the year we could be the same time as Vancouver and three hours before, behind the Eastern Time Zone, uh, behind Toronto, Montreal, for example. So just something. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to get too mathy here and break down how it would always work, but I think this is uh, this is significant, and I think this is the type of thing that the Oilers and maybe to a lesser extent the Elks would would have an a, an opinion on, um, because this would affect television viewing, radio listening, um, you know, the body clocks of the players, which already get messed around from them flying and going through different time zones and all that kind of stuff. So a story that you might look at and say that has nothing to do with sports, I will not hear about this on Inside Sports. It does have something to do with sports because it could affect when road games are starting for the teams uh, that we follow, which could affect how you consume those games. So just something to, to keep an eye on. I just quickly brought up the story here on globalnews.ca. Uh, Premier Kenny announcing today 
that Albertans will consider referendums about daylight saving time and federal equalization during the October 18th municipal elections. So there'll be these referendums that you can vote on as well when you're voting in the uh, municipal election. I, I, I just find that interesting. And I know from just reading stuff over the years and, and some of what I've heard is anecdotal for sure, but um, the, the clock change, like it's not healthy. It's, it's, it's not a healthy thing that we, we do to our bodies. Now this would change other things too, right? Because if we had standard time, sorry, if we had daylight time in the winter, so those days in December and January, where we're only getting like seven and a half hours of sunlight or whatever it is, the sun wouldn't be up until fully up until almost 10 in the morning. So it, it, like, it would always be dark in the morning if you work traditional work hours when you're going to work. If we choose to stay on standard time, if we choose to stay on standard time, then in the summer right now, we wouldn't get the long days in terms of all the daylight late at night. Uh, Adam has written in about that. He says, I'd rather stay on fall time. I don't really like it bright until 11. So I think he's talking about staying on standard time. So on a day like today, the sun would be coming up super early, uh, but it would be getting darker. You know, we wouldn't have the daylight till almost 11, like we do around June 21st, the longest day of the year. But again, there's a sports element to this. So I wanted to bring it up because it, it could be something that we wind up talking about. Kind of a, a teaser, perhaps coming up on a future episode more in detail of uh, uh it's like the uh well i'm not going to give away anything that happened in loki in case you haven't watched it Did you watch loki kellen i've just watched the first episode so i'm oh it's good I think it you should keep watching it oh i am you should keep watching it i recommend it for sure okay speaking of drafting a goaltender in the first round tyler wright head amateur scout for the edmonton oilers was on with Stoffer earlier today bob asked him if he's uh, hesitant to take a goalie in the first round um, I think there's always hesitation. Um, you know, I think, you know, you go, you've done it, you've gone back, I've gone back every time and you can count, uh, you know, how many goalies have, have gone in the first round, how many have, have not panned out, how many have panned out. You I mean, you, you watch Vasilevsky right now and win another Stanley Cup and, you know, in my opinion, probably the best goaltender in the game right now, uh, who was a first-round pick. So there, there's risk and, and there's reward. Um, so is it out of the question? No, I don't think it's out of the question. But, you know, it's the same boring answer that, uh, you know, we're, we're going to take the best player available that we deem at 19, whether it's, uh, you know, a forward, a D, or a goalie. And it's it's boring, but at the end of the day, you have to take the best player. And I, th- I think we have to consider this about the Oilers possibly taking a goalie in the first round because Oil Kings netminder Sebastian Kosa could be there when the Oilers draft officially 20th overall, but they're actually getting the 19th player because the pick of Arizona is forfeited. Uh, Brad Lauer, head coach of the Oil Kings, was on last night and had this praise for Sebastian Kosa. I think you're seeing a kid here that's really, really taken some big gains. Um, obviously, the, the pandemic... He took that time that we had off and really, really um, got strong mentally. What I mean by that is that he doesn't hang on that a bad goal, or if we make a mistake in front of him, he doesn't hang on those mistakes. He's he's focused and ready for that next shot to, to come at him. You know, he's a big kid. He's very athletic. Um, he's got quick feet. 
Um, you know, he's a really he's a kid that can he fights through traffic, he fights for every save. You know, he doesn't give up on shots. You know, and and I I truly believe he's going to be a franchise goalie if 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 whoever team he goes for. I think he's going to be one of those kids down the road you're going to talk about like like this year. I mean, I think it was uh, the last four teams in the playoffs this year. I think all every goalie was a first round draft pick. Um, you know, so I think I think. You know, I can see him being a franchise goalie um, in the National Hockey League. I think he's got that type of pedigree to him. All right, so that is Brad Lauer commenting on his goaltender, Sebastian Costa. Doug writes and he says, Reed, we've had daylight saving times for so many years. Those who complain about changing twice a year just don't get the big picture. This goes far beyond the sports world. The corporate world revolves around the change stock market and the businesses, uh, business world also revolve around the time change. We have to stay with it. Well, Doug, obviously I'm not suggesting that this is just a sports story. I'm, I'm saying that it it has a sports element to it, which, you know, we will talk about on, on a, a show like this that focuses on sports, but you're right. I mean, if, uh, you know, Alberta is one of the few jurisdictions that doesn't change, does that mess up the, the business world that everybody's used to living in? I wonder though, Doug, because this is being discussed in other provinces as well. If, if it might start happening in other jurisdictions, I mean, Saskatchewan doesn't do it. Uh, what Nevada doesn't doesn't change the clocks. I'm not sure if there's anywhere else in the United States. So there are provinces and uh, and states that that live with it and and still get by. Uh, and I wonder if Alberta did it. I mean, I know it's been discussed in BC. I think it's come up in Ontario as well. But I, I just think it's something to think about. And you know, from that that point of view there is a sports element to it and doug no i'm not suggesting the sports element is the most important but i'm suggesting for viewers of sports i'm assuming you are one if you're listening to inside sports that it might affect uh, your viewing habits as well that's that, that's all i'm saying and why i'm presenting it as something to keep in mind we'll take a quick time out big rugby event coming to edmonton we'll fill you in September 25th and 26th rugby sevens coming to Commonwealth Stadium this is a really entertaining sport and to discuss uh, exactly what's going on he's Canada's greatest rugby player of all time he's now with Rugby Canada as their commercial and program relations director Gareth Reese is on the line Gareth welcome to the show how are you doing great I'm in Edmonton I'm sitting in your ice district here having a, a quiet pint okay well that's good welcome back to the city and uh, Ben, do you give for for people who maybe aren't up to date on the story. Let's start there. Give everybody the lowdown on how come this event is coming to Edmonton because I, I believe it was originally supposed to be held somewhere else in the world. Yeah, so uh, Edmonton obviously is uh, a great venue. You guys have been bringing solid events here. We have the World Series of Sevens that comes to Vancouver every year. It's a it's a massive party. It's one of ten stops around the world. And with COVID happening, we actually had we're talking to Edmonton and the, and your great events team over here about having this as a backup. And then uh, what happened was London and a few other places couldn't produce. So World Rugby, the governing body for, for rugby, said, hey, can we do Vancouver and Edmonton? So we're going to be here September 25th and 26th, bringing uh, 12 of the best teams around the world. And we're going to have a bit of a bit of a shindig out at Commonwealth Stadium. Well, this is exciting because, you know, I've had Jen Kish on my show several times uh, during the course of her career. And I know Rugby Sevens, I think, has been introduced to a lot of people, maybe over the last decade or so, seeing it in the Olympics. And I think, it, like, it is a blast that's coming to Edmonton because this is a, a fast-paced, 
sort of anything can happen type of sport. And and you get and like you said, all these teams come like you get several games in a session if you go. Yeah, well, if those who don't know sevens rugby, it's kind of like beach volleyball to volleyball, right? So rugby with 15 aside uh, is uh, is the kind of the World Cup game. But we go to the Olympics with seven aside rugby. That's where Jen Kiss won a bronze down in uh, Rio uh, last Olympic cycle. And, uh, you know, she's obviously the pride of this town and the pride of Canadian rugby. It's awesome to be back in, in her hometown. Um, but sevens rugby, it's a tournament format. It's two eight-hour sessions. And it sounds like a long time, but they're 14-minute games. And these countries trade over. There's high scoring. There's only seven people on the field, so lots of action and lots of scoring, uh, and it's great. But uh, the other aspect, and this is why we're so happy to be in Commonwealth, is there's a lot going on off the field. People are in costumes, and there's corporate parties happening. So uh, it's it's a lot of fun off the field as well as this high-paced uh, tournament action of seven sides. You know, I know you're here kind of for the uh, the, the site inspection, which, I mean, I know, I'm sure everybody knew a lot about Commonwealth anyway, but give us a sense of of why Commonwealth works and continues uh, to work, you know, for a stadium that's been around since the late 70s. Yeah, well, one, the city itself, I mean, you've got a team here that knows how to bring events here, and uh, so we were we were alerted by them, but we know Commonwealth Stadium. We've had the Women's Rugby World Cup here way back in 06. Uh, we brought Scotland in here a few years ago. So we know the stadium works, but just seeing the updated nature of it, obviously it's, it's a great field and great stadium, as all the Elks fans know. Um, but what surprises us is all the hospitality, all the great areas um, to sit and watch sport in there. And so because seven is a long day, that's a pretty important part of it. So, yeah, we've been really impressed with uh, all the facilities out there, not only for the teams, but especially for the, the corporate and the families that want to come and spend the day out there. Gareth Reese joining us tonight on Inside Sports. I, I, I'm going to call you a Canadian rugby legend because you've, uh, <laughs> uh, you, you probably hate being called that yourself. And uh, you continue with Rugby Canada as the commercial and program relations. I mean, Gareth, you're, you're an interesting case because... Uh, I mean, you've made it your life. Uh, you were an outstanding player, and, and you've stuck with the sport after your playing career, and, and you continue being proud of it and continue to, I'll use the I'll use a bit of a cliche here, but you continue to grow the game even after you've done playing. Well, yeah, it's a big part. I mean, rugby served me pretty well. I played pro in Europe for a long time and uh, got to play for my country, and, and that's a big part of my life. I love the fact that, well, one, we're going to a stadium that I watched in 1978, the Commonwealth Games, Never could have dreamt that we'd be bringing a bunch of rugby people in here to have a, a weekend entertainment. But also for the for the for the current teams, you know, they get to play on a big stage like this with a lot of media attention, global TV audience. But we also, because these events do well, we can help to grow the game as you talked about and and support kids being active, young girls, young boys picking up a rugby ball, having a good experience. Very inclusive sport. We still are that. So I, I just love that fact that uh, we're going to have a, a big party on the 25th, 26th, and, and the revenues that we get from it will go help us, you know, get kids playing playing a sport and, and having fun. How do you compare the the state of rugby in Canada uh, as compared to maybe I think uh, I think 99 is 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 when you hung it up. I know you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I, yep. I mean I know Canada is is pretty much always in the world cup uh but there are some really good nations who who play rugby like how are how are we doing nationally and internationally in developing talent yeah i mean it's, it's the right right question and 15 inside rugby there's no question from those days when i was playing that the world has just moved on and because we didn't have a professional league it's really hurt us now in the last three years we've seen a professional league in the states uh built and it's kind of like mls soccer in the early days they're uh 
they're off and running. There's one team in Toronto, and a lot of our kids play down there. So that's been great. In terms of seven-a-side rugby, I mean, we have been world leaders in a lot of ways. We get decent funding because it's an Olympic sport. And both of our um, men's and women's sevens teams, the only team sport where both teams are going, I, um, basketball's not going, unfortunately. They're both going to be down in Tokyo. So in sevens, we're, we're knocking on the door of medals all the time. And in 15s, you know, we're trying to catch up a lot because that's the way the world's moved. Would have you been a good sevens player? I did play sevens down in Hong Kong and a few other places, and uh, I wasn't maybe as mobile as I needed to be. But uh, <laughs> no, it's it's great fun. It's good fun for the players as well, right? Um, these players, to say, come from all over the world. We're just talking about the Fijians and those kind of players that they just this is their ice hockey, right? The Fijians sevens rugby is it, and they've done a put on a good show in Vancouver over the years, and now we get to come to Edmonton. Okay. Um... Is, is tell me a little bit about the origin of sevens though because i mean to me like that's yeah. like wow it's like we'll just cut the number of players in half and they won't play for yeah. very long but we'll just make them run around like how did this all get going well it's a great story it started up in scotland in melrose and basically it used to be played in august right before the season was starting in the, in the uk and basically exactly what happened they said we got to get everyone fit everyone's been you know off training all summer we're going to get everyone fit so we'll play the same game of rugby but with only half the people on a full-size field so it's exhausting. I mean, even though these are 14-minute games, it's super tiring. Um, but what it's meant is there's tons of space out there. There's not the big pileups that you might see in traditional rugby, and there's lots of action, lots of speed, and, and lots of try scoring. All right. And I'm going to uh, – I mean, this is great you're here. This is great the sevens are going to be here. Let me, let me close with this one. And, I mean, I mentioned you've been heavily involved in rugby, Canadian rugby, all your life. I, I, I would say rugby is, um, you know, pretty popular – when people actually sit down and watch it, but I also find it's still maybe somewhat of a misunderstood game. What's the biggest misconception that you find yourself facing about rugby? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that it's dangerous. Like, it's a, it's a contact sport, no question. But we don't have any helmets that you can get injured on. You know, we, we learn from a very young age how to tackle, how to be tackled. And ultimately, because of that, no pads to hide behind. I mean, the respect that the players have, not only for... Um, their opponents, but for themselves and for the referees. It, it sounds really corny when I talk about it, but it's genuinely part of it. These are big, strong men and women that are smashing each other. But when you don't have pads, you you can't afford to cheap shot because your your career will be over. So there is an, an it, written in respect for for everyone around the game, and I'm pretty proud of that. It's uh, you'll get to see it at, at Commonwealth, and it's it's pretty cool. Okay. Well, Gareth, it's great to catch up with you. Enjoy your stay here in Edmonton. Hopefully uh, we can talk again or get some of the players on closer to the, uh, to the event in September. This is awesome, man. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, I appreciate it. We're just getting our ticket information out there uh, next week or so. But, uh, yeah, we'd love to see uh, even non-sports fans, non-rugby fans, come along for the party and, and check it all out. Yeah, right on. Thanks, Gareth. Gareth Reese, Director director Commercial and Program Relations with Rugby Canada. And as we were talking about, an excellent playing career. He is in the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame, the only rugby player to be there. September 25th and 26th, it's a bit of ways away, but I do want to mark that on the calendar. I'd love to see some rugby sevens in person if I'm able to get out there. British Open today, Louis Oosthuizen in the lead, 6-under. Jordan Spieth and Brian Harmon, 5-under. Bunch of players at 4-under, including Canadian Mackenzie Hughes. You also heard from Eddie Steele and Cam Moon tonight. Thanks for your emails, calls, and texts. Dave Campbell's the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer. Back tomorrow at 6. My name's Reed. Talk to you then.
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.